0: Hello oh, and welcome to Into the Foliage hosted by me Ryan Dalton
1: and me Janet Garner the series is all about the green side of nature
0: where we chat to the professionals about plants trees fungi grasses
1: and everything in between.
0: This episode of Into the Wild is brought to you by Leica Sport Optics. As the world opens up and we're able to venture forth and go and explore again, it's essential that we have the kit we need so we don't leave nature hotspots disappointed. With that in mind, I cannot recommend Leica Spot Optics enough. Leica not only have a great range of optics for a wide range of uses, but they also offer finance plans to help people like me that would rather pay bit by bit. I'm currently using the Leica HD UltraVids. And now I can clearly see all the birds that I am also still unable to identify. Read more about Laika's range via their website in the write up of this episode. And now, on with the show. And they called her Janet Garner. <laughs> Doesn't work as much as the last one, did it? How are you? This is ages since we've recorded I know. the show.
1: I what know. have you been doing? Um. Oh, loads of things. Because I've had an allotment. A, well, the allotment and my garden and celebrating a certain birthday this year. Which so, one? Um, 60.
0: <laughs> things have changed massively for me since we last spoke. I live in a different house now.
1: Oh, yeah, you do. Yeah.
0: And I don't have a garden. It's oh. depressing me, but every shelf is covered, don't worry. Yeah yeah every bit of space my housemates a bit like can we just chat about the plant I'm like no no I'm really busy I've got to go sorry I don't have time to (laughs) chat about it I don't have time um on that note should we do our gardening slash for me now it's got to be window box or plant highlight I can't do gardening highlight um what has been your gardening success or highlight since we last spoke
1: I'd say success is being able to cut flowers from your own garden which yeah. is, uh, that's really Okay, good. I've got to
0: tell the listeners before you before record it, Jan Shobie, got a lovely vase of cut flowers from her garden. That's impressive,
1: I yeah, think. Yeah, it does feel nice doing that. Um, yeah, the sweet peas went mad. That was really good. And at the allotment, I've really loved digging the potatoes up and Cutting the French beans and putting up Love the That's You balls it's deep just, in mud, don't you? Yeah, balls <laughs> deep and uh, loved it. And um, also, the other success at the allotment is the dahlias. Good year. Yeah. Um, in my garden, pants, absolute pants. Every one that I put in the ground was eaten alive, just gone. Nothing there at all. But at the allotment, just lovely. Just left them alone. I haven't watered, um, not done anything, loads.
0: I tell you every time you do too much stuff to. Plant. I know,
1: maybe i You've got to leave it alone. To, yeah, they were Let amazing. Them go. Yeah, Let they're them quite, go. quite good over there. So, what about you then? What's yours? Do you know what? I really
0: don't know. I feel like I've had a bit of a mare with plants. Um, except, do you remember that plant I told you about that I, I hate saying this, that I was testing to see if it would die, because it just will not die. It, it won't stop growing, that's my problem. I think it's some sort of devil's ivy and i had it in my old flat and it just kept growing and growing and growing and then when i moved to the new flat i was like I, I don't really know where i'm going to put it and the only place it looked good was in the bathroom hanging from a shelf but there's no natural light in there and i was like it it won't survive this it's grown two new shoots and grown another foot in length i don't wow. know what to do to this plant it's like the it's like the cockroach of the plant world <laughs> oh. but um it's doing very well so i guess that's i guess the other thing as well I've harvested, harvested is a very grand word, but so far I've taken um, six Scotch bonnet uh, fruits from my uh, Scotch bonnet plant.
1: Oh, well done.
0: And I do not like spicy foods, so that's... So that's yeah, a waste of time then. Redundant. But yeah. <laughs> wasted year, on my a, British palate.
1: <laughs> yeah, try potatoes next year. Bland as I ain't
0: got the room for potatoes. I might do carrots in a bucket.
1: Do you know what? Potatoes, a bucket... It's just the, I I really didn't know how easy they were. We put them in at the allotment all on the same day and I thought we're doing this wrong, but, you know, who cares? (laughs) We just put them all in. First early, second earlies, main crop, put them in. Didn't even water them. And when I got home, I had a panic and thought, oh, we didn't even water those, but we left them. Did you
0: water anything at the alarm? <laughs>
1: Not really. <laughs> Seems to
0: be your trick of the trade.
1: Do you know what? Hardly at all. But we have had quite a lot of rain, so I just think yeah, it would be tough. Grow it hard. It, they, I like that had
0: attitude.
1: So many. But I've actually had to throw potatoes away because I, I couldn't store <gasps> them. But we've had so, we've had loads. It you could, be really you could become the
0: face for a new brand of spuds.
1: Yeah, they're so Garner's good. Garner's spuds. Yeah, and there's French. But and also, I did run a beans in my garden because someone at the allotment gave me some plants. But I didn't put them in the ground. I made a bit of a mistake. I planted them in a basket. And I did mm. have about two or three dinners from it, and then they blew over in the wind. But I'll definitely do them again. Easy. Nice. So easy.
0: Anyway, this week on Into the Foliage, we, or this month, we are talking about something that I think is very important, and me and Jan always try and make sure we do to the best of our ability and knowledge, is gardening organically. And to help us out with that chat, as there are really no two better people to have on this show. It's fellow podcasters... Also gardening podcasters, so there could be a bit of rivalry between Into the Foliage and the Wildlife Gardening Podcast here. Could be interesting. But it's Ellie and Ben from the Wildlife Gardening pod. How are you both? Very Very well. well.
2: I think it's more of a collaboration, Ryan. Come on. (laughs) Sorry, sorry again, it's a comedian
0: brain. (laughs) Always in competition. (laughs) Um, How's your day been? Have you had a good one?
2: It's been really hot, hasn't it? It's been hot,
3: but beautiful.
2: I got to cut a lavender. Are you thankful
3: for the sun now?
2: Uh, I am. Ben really hates it. We think he's actually part Viking. I think the Viking blood runs strong through him, through his veins.
3: I love gardening in the winter. People always ask you, what do you do in the winter? I'm like, it's my perfect time of year.
2: (laughs) Hates anything above 10 degrees.
0: Really? And what I will say you really are like, no, I can't do that. I suppose there's a lot of activity
3: to do in the heat, though, isn't there? Uh, well, you, you do get used to it, but uh, yeah, it's not my yeah. ideal thing. <laughs> I do whinge a well, lot. Well... <laughs> <laughs> well, of course
0: we do. We're British. It doesn't matter what the weather is. If it's going to be crap, we'll whinge about it. But it's exciting to have you both on the show and to talk about this. And before we get started, we should ask a big, important question to you both. Can you start by telling us who you both are and what is it you do? Sure.
2: Who wants to
3: go? Well, I'll go. My name's Ben. And I'm Ellie. And we are professional organic gardeners, and we run a, a garden maintenance business. So there's lots of organic gardeners out there, um, but largely they tend to focus on growing fruit and veg. And a couple of years ago, we were already running the gardening business and we decided, why can't we do the normal maintenance organically as well? You know, just like any other job in Gardener would do. Mm. Um, so we did. We just switched over to working completely organically and we've never looked back since, have we?
2: And none of our customers ran to the hills, which was really nice of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you had your customers go and you switched the business completely in a way and they just were like, yeah, grand
2: only in a way because we didn't really spray that much and actually in fact I can only really remember one incident if you like where I was asked to spray some roses with some horrible smelly chemical and it made me so upset and I think it was actually mm. shortly after that that we realised that we just can't keep doing this because it doesn't doesn't sit with alongside our own principles very well so we just went yeah. organic didn't we and just announced it on an email and everyone was like <laughs> cool yeah wh- why not
0: <laughs> <laughs> from a business owner to business owner I understand your wariness of making a, a change no matter what the change is it could be anything I get that anxiety of going oh I'm about to lose my entire business by making one decision <laughs> yeah.
3: and half the time people are like no we like you <laughs> a lot of our customers I guess they just carried us on and just sort of waited to see what happened. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it, yeah. everything was the same, basically. So, yeah. so they were like, oh, it's fine. Proofs in the pudding, yeah. yeah. It really
2: was, yeah. There wasn't like a smoking crater left where the garden should have been kind of thing, which I think a lot of people assume would happen.
0: Just one giant snail appeared in the yeah. garden. <laughs> oh, great, right, didn't work.
1: Oh, no, we still look out for that. We still look out for that. Yeah. <laughs> so when did it all begin? How did it begin with you, your love of gardening and plants and...
2: Well, this question always gets asked to most gardeners, I think, and most people kind of Assume that the answer will be the really fluffy. Oh, it's in my veins. I'm green fingered. I was brought up on a farm or in a garden or born in a cabbage patch type thing. But actually,
3: <laughs> cabbage patch kid. Yeah. Cabbage patch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: I am one now, but I was I was adopted. um No, I'm. I was uh, late to gardening. Really, uh, I came to it after a bit of a bit of a mental downturn, shall we say, when I was. Uh, mm. I actually changed careers a couple of times and. I think I lasted six months in the teaching industry, if you want to call it that. And it is brutal. But basically I wasn't very happy and was taking it quite easy and then just found gardening as a really, really good way of fixing myself, basically, to start with. And actually the more people you talk to, the more you realise how many people come to it through that route. It's really interesting. Um, But I also think... I think I actually suffered from a bit of the old plant blindness before that, if I was really honest. So I was aware of plants. I'm very ecologically minded, if you like, but I wasn't, you know, mm. pointing out cultivars or anything like that, even you know, as a teenager or in my twenties. It really is, um, yeah, something I've come to learn about in my in my older years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's <laughs> nice though. I like I like it when people find out about that, you know, something even whether it's nature or garden or plants, whatever. When you it's kind of like, because I think no matter where we've come from, we all have it. Like, oh, there's all 100%. that need to have it. But then when we do naturally lose
3: it, so when it comes back, yeah, it's kind of a nicer story when you hear like, that. What about you, Ben? Well, I was working for a charity, an environmental charity, And when I first started working for them, it was a mixture of office work and running events and stuff. And I thought I I would enjoy that. And it turns out I'm terrible at anything in an office. (laughs) So they put me on this project to do tree planting and also to um, help plant community orchards and and Mm. different small projects around, uh, it was around Peterborough. And as soon as I started working outside, actually doing the tree planting bit, I just realised I wanted to work outside completely
1: yeah but only on, only on cold days though yeah <laughs> well hence the dream yeah yeah
3: yeah oh yeah of course street well, you do with that in that the winter. False, yeah. false awareness yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's perfect but yeah and then but then i had a bit of a i i actually went off and did a a master's degree part-time and i was working in a supermarket at the time and then ellie had already set up the business and just said you know you don't know basically what you're doing with your life why don't you just come and work with me and uh, never look back.
2: <laughs> but it's always a bit. Wow, a bit,
3: you really hit that.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's a bit unfair that our business is called Ellie's Wellies, which actually Ben came up with the name. We get so many compliments for it because it, it sticks in people's minds, but he doesn't yeah. get a mention on it. So I always feel the need to no. tell everyone that it was his idea <laughs> to call it Ellie's Wellies, and that was his uh, contribution. What, is,
0: there, is there anything garden related that rhymes with Ben?
3: Bonsai. Bonsai.
2: Ben.
3: <laughs> yeah, but that just Ben's sounds. But, it's a but Don't ask me any questions specific. on bonsai. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. I am Ben. I only deal with bonsai.
3: <laughs> I've got a really small van.
0: <laughs> <and> tiny tools. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting into the tree planting you were yeah. one... doing. <laughs> um, oh, I want to try and fit. It's got to be Ellie's wellies featuring. It's got to have something. Ben's
3: but boots. No, we can't I think of it. Ben's boots. Ben's boots.
2: Ben's no. boots.
3: Yeah, yeah. We do actually I mean, occasionally get calls from people asking if we sell them wellies. <laughs> so that ve- could add an extra layer of confusion. There are some very
2: literal people in the world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. It's false advertising in a little in a, in a way, I guess.
0: <laughs> it's just, oh yeah, I know. But I mean, there's dog companies around here called, you know. Muddy paws walks, and uh, do you only get the muddy? It's like, well, no, obviously not. It's just a name of a company, you absolute weirdo. <laughs> and don't call my business again. <laughs> um, so, today we are, uh, like we said at the beginning, we're focusing on being organic. Um, so, we're going to start with an obvious question, or two obvious questions, maybe. But, Ellie and Ben, what does being organic mean, and why is it important to do this within our gardens?
2: Well, first, can I, can I turn them around? Why is it important? Yes. Well, first of all, it's, it's basically for the planet. When you're gardening, I think most people assume they're doing the right thing by wildlife, by nature, because it's, very, it's a natural thing to do. But only if you're not spraying everything to death with
0: chemicals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: And we, we, we were talking about this recently. And basically, there aren't many other hobbies apart from maybe something obvious like hunting where hmm. you potentially like part of the hobby is just to kill something and yeah, like, you don't it, go
3: down your like knitting club and just kill yeah. loads of random wildlife <laughs> on the way like, i don't know i've hobbies? seen some people
0: i've seen some people in the wi they've got secrets
2: <laughs> when the cake, out
0: with the fly swatters when
2: the, cake runs out, eh? when the cake
0: runs out yeah it's not chutney in those jars <laughs>
2: Um, yeah I mean it always makes us really sad when we go down local supermarket in the spring and summer and they've got these big banners up saying love your garden and underneath it is just row after row of horrible chemicals I'm like there's nothing there's no love there so anyway so it's for the planet go organic for the planet um do you want to take what what it is
3: well you've covered quite a lot of it there I mean if you there's a really good organization actually for anybody who's going to be interested in this stuff and it's called garden organic And it's like Mm. the organic gardening equivalent of the RHS. And they sort of give you five, is it five organic principles? So you can go away and and read their website on that. But basically what we think it is, is just we don't use artificial pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, all the bad stuff. And instead of using those, we replace what they would do with a whole set of different methods. So it's barrier protections on crops or hand weeding or just using different forms of pest control, you know, organic compost instead of inorganic compost. Mm. And basically there's just this whole range of things that are available to gardeners that you can learn how to do. And once you learn that handful of things, really, then you just don't need to reach for those bottles ever again.
2: And it's much, much more more preventative rather than just seeing a problem and then killing it. So with organic gardening, soil health is so... It's probably the most important thing to boost, basically, because... What do plants need? They need the soil to grow in. So if you've got healthy soil, then you've generally got healthy plants. So if you feed your soil and keep that nice and healthy, then you should have stronger, more resistant plants to the things like pests, you know, when populations things get out of control and to various diseases and that's really quite a critical thing and to do that you also um you ideally try and recycle as much as you can within your garden space so whether that's water don't want to be just like using the mains water nonstop. um if you can collect water and harvest it and that's really good you're treading much more lightly than you would be in maybe a conventional setting
3: yeah making your own compost at home as well it's all just brilliant stuff that you can do
2: bloody I, love compost. It's my yeah, so like favourite thing. Yeah, Who we do as well. We, you know, my judge of a good compost is if it looks like something you want to put your face into.
1: Yeah. <laughs> what? Okay. You oh, know, stop it, it now. Smells, yeah. It smells so yeah. good.
3: Yeah.
1: <laughs> we we haven't done, done it yet. Sorry. Jan's, Jan's
3: nodding here. She yeah. knows. Yeah. I'm having that moment where I'm no, going, am I the it. weird one? <laughs> no.
1: So every allotment, we've got... Um, we inherited a couple of the plastic bins, one with a lid, one without. So the one without, you know, not doing that well. But uh, the girl that I took with Carly, she made a couple of bays out of pallets. So we've got a couple of open bays as well. And then we've got these crates that we've got manure in, letting that um, rot away a bit more. Um, we've got courgettes growing in the compost bin at the moment at the top because it's sort of ready, finished. We're yeah. not putting any more in it, so just put the courgettes on the top, so they're growing in compost. Nice, hot bedding. You so, should get, yeah. some pi-
2: get some pineapples really? on the go on that. Yeah. yeah. That's what they used to do in the Victorian times, yeah.
1: Wow. Oh, jam,
3: whack a pineapple on it. Yeah, they'd make bays of, they'd layer uh, manure and then hay or straw, and then, you know, layer it up, and then yeah. they just plant onto the top of it. And is it, as it rocks down, it, it creates heat, basically, mm. and it keeps them going. Wow. Yeah. Could you do that with other fruits that require hot well i mean there's things like melons um pineapples you could do it with i mean yeah basically that sort of stuff (laughs) you can give it a go give it a go yeah (laughs) i mean most most other stuff you can just grow outside without needing to do it so
2: yeah but it's it's such a it's the engine room in any garden really and truly and in fact um yeah sorry compost bins are but we, we're going to do this on our business website. I want to have a running tally of the number of new compost bins that we've put in for people, because we are on a, a bit of a mission to <laughs> sneak a compost bin into every garden that we work in. They currently don't have, not everyone has one, but we're really close to yeah. getting there, so personal mission, you know. <laughs> are they hard to manage? No. no,
3: no. Actually, I'll tell no. you, those, um, as you mentioned them, Jan, those, you know, the black... Plastic yeah, ones, the darlings as yeah. they call them sometimes. They're the hardest of all, actually. Really? Because you want to turn it, generally. And those black plastic ones are just really hard to get into to turn it. Yeah, they're really like narrow and deep. Exactly. So So they they can Mm. work, but you need to have exactly the right mix as it goes in because you can't get in to turn it once it's already in. Whereas with an open bin... that's why I thought it was difficult. Yeah. So with an open bin, you can just chuck it all in as and when you get it and then you can mix it up later. Yeah. Um, So Mm. I really... When we put compost bins in for people, we tend to do an open bin like you've done at the allotment because... I think lots of people try with those black ones first and they give up because mm. they don't work. And it's not their fault. It's it's the structure of the thing. They're just difficult to deal with. Yeah, But an open bin is, is dead easy. Dead and easy, yeah. Yeah, because
1: someone the other day, I heard on Gardener's Wilder site, they'd covered it up and he went, why would you cover up your compost? And I thought... Good enough for me. Well, yeah, I just leave it open. Yeah, yeah, late. definitely. But I don't think. I mean, I haven't turned it. But I'm, I'm a bit not wary what I put on there. But I've got two or three bags of shredding there at the moment. You know, like from work.
0: Oh yeah, like the paper oh, shredder. We're going to say shreddies then.
1: No, I'm shredding. <laughs> but I, I haven't put it on yet because um, I don't want it to be too brown. You know, and mm. you just think, I'll, and I'll just leave that there for the time being till it goes. in, I need to put that on. So yeah. We try and do it a bit layery if we can. Yeah, oh, yeah,
2: definitely. It does. Yeah. So I say it's no work at all. You do have to be conscious not to put loads of wet green stuff on. So we actually, in fact, I was listening to your podcast whilst turning a massive heap of grass clippings, which. Uh, some grass cutters come in and do this massive lawn which is part of the garden we look after and you get literally it's like two meters squared of grass clippings and it stinks and it's slimy and I was covered in this stuff (laughs) but my job I mean it's I find this very satisfying I don't know why um was to mix in all the leaves that we'd collected last autumn and we and just layer it up like a big old lasagna and then (laughs) and i found loads of insects actually while i was doing that yeah it was really good
0: i've got to say now if we do have any italian listeners and i'm not sure if we do (laughs) but their stomachs (laughs) are going to turn at the fact that you just compared
2: a
3: lasagna yeah don't come around ask for lasagna for tea
2: (laughs) ultimate cultural appropriation (laughs) (laughs) although
0: saying that i don't know how authentic lasagnas actually are to italy this is oh, not a yeah. food podcast, Ryan. <laughs> don't get into it now. It is not out of time. If this you want wasn't that, on the
1: list, Ryan. Come <laughs> on. Away from the so, where what would be the easiest way for people to start gardening organically? How would we start that? Put down
2: the pesticides and the herbicides. You often see avoid using. I'm like, no, just don't use them. Like, don't avoid. Mm. Just, stop, just yeah, stop. you don't need them. You really, really don't. That is the absolute number one thing. And you save a bit of money as well if you're not going out and buying all those yeah. chemicals, which tend to need to be resprayed and anyway, just bad. Yeah, that's the absolute number one way that people can really get into it. But as ben mentioned earlier another really good way is the garden organic it's a charity and like he said it is the equivalent of the royal Horticultural society but they they deal in organic a- anything you need to know about organic gardening they are absolutely fantastic they've got a really strong membership but obviously the more the merrier um and they'll answer questions for you as well um oh, cool. but but also, we're actually really lucky in Nottingham. There's, there's quite a few community gardens for, I mean, it's quite a relatively small city, really, medium, mm. medium size. But we've got at least four community gardens that I can think of that I know are all organic. But one oh, specific cool. one is Nottingham Organic Gardeners. And I just think that there are other places, you know, other, other places in the UK that will have these resources for people to get stuck in. So even if you don't have your own garden, you can go to these community gardens and learn all about it there if you're nervous at all or whatever, you're not unsure about what you're doing. And they're really, really good places to get started, really.
3: Yeah, that's right. And if you're brand new to gardening just generally, then go to one of these community gardens as your mm. first step. There are lots of mistakes that you'll make in gardening and it's just the nature of the beast, really. You have to go through the mistakes to <laughs> yeah. learn what doesn't work. Yeah, we but- make loads. <laughs> yeah,
2: <still>. <laughs>
3: <laughs> should see our garden. <laughs> But if you go to one of these community gardens, there are people there that can just show you what to do practically. It's just that you, you learn so much quicker if you go to one of these and start gardening with other people. Or, uh, you know, on an allotment site, if you get yourself an allotment, just, you know, make use of the, the people around you that can, can show you what to do. But um, yeah, that's a that's a really good thing to do, basically, because they nice all one. the information out there. You just need to just need to find it.
1: Is it Nottingham where you've got those allotments that have got the? I'm sure I'm telling. Yeah. Where they've got, with the alleyways and the We yeah. oh, just so nice. we're about to get one, Jan. Really? Yeah. Oh my oh. god! We've been on a waiting list for this two week. years. Oh, they're so nice. Two
0: years. There's a yeah. ten year waiting list in Adelaide. <laughs>
1: <weekend>. Ouch! Ouch! <laughs> They're like proper proper gardens with gates on and and big hedges. Yeah, it's like it's
3: the largest and the oldest allotment site in Europe, I think. Oh, they're so nice in Europe. They're huge they each allotment plot is massive because they were designed they weren't really just for growing veg they're also they were like pleasure gardens yeah so people have like lawns and stuff and there are little buildings in quite a lot oh. of them old victorian buildings and they just you know relax on the deck chair and have a jeans there was one
1: a girl on gardeners world last year they showed it yeah yeah that, that's it, it yeah, yeah. I'll I'm just right, say I'm
3: now, so, if it's been yeah, on guard as well, Jan will
0: know and remember it. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that tends to be the rule for the podcast. I also love, Jan, how you've got like an allotment map of the UK. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. That's
0: impressive. <laughs> Even if it's just internal, I love it. Um, no, that one, it's amazing. Okay, you have to let us know if you get that plot or you are yeah. getting to it, you said.
2: I think a couple of weeks, yeah. yeah. Get oh, the keys. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh,
0: God. I mean, also RIP to whoever. But um, I'm assuming that's how that works.
2: <laughs> no, no, this is, I mean, I reckon it's been derelict. Did the
0: WI what? visit there recently? <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh. No, what we're about to inherit is a wee, it is a weedy hellhole, if I was completely
1: honest. Oh, is it? Oh, but they're the best. It's, yes. Like mine no, at no the moment. moment.
2: Well, I mean, basically, we've told all of our friends not to expect to see us for at least a year and a half. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take us that long to clear it.
0: Well, luckily, you haven't just had a year and a half to not see your friends, so... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> (laughs) 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 they won't mind at all
2: (laughs) yeah they're well practiced now that's how i'm going to pitch it (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) um so what about when we so we know how to do it in our garden now but when we're buying new plants or seeds how do we go about making sure that this is organic because obviously we can be organic within our garden but then we're adding stuff to it to plant so how can we make sure that's organic and also where's the best place
3: to find this stuff okay so there are organic nurseries out there, but they're a bit few and far between, really. Um, so there are small nurseries all the way around the country. Um, and then there's mail order nurseries as well. The main thing, if you're worried about wildlife generally, is pesticides. That's the number one thing. Yeah. And there are more nurseries that don't use pesticides, but aren't fully organic um, than there are organic nurseries. So, So basically, just whatever nursery you're going to, just ask them. You know, ask them: Are you using pesticides on your crops when you grow them? And a lot of them will be buying plants in, but they can then go and ask their suppliers as well. So the main thing is just to keep checking before you're about to buy something, Mm. Um, because there are there's a team at Sussex University led by Dave Goulson, who's written loads of books about wildlife and gardening and stuff. He found that he, he went out and randomly sampled a load of plants from a whole host of different big stores. And what he actually found, there were residues of neonicotinoid pesticides in quite a lot of the plants that he picked up. Now, wow. these neonics, you might have heard about them on the news because they're, they're really, really bad pesticides. Mm. And they're systemics, which means they get inside the plant and actually the, that residue can stay there for qu- quite a few years, actually. Yes,
2: three to four years or more sometimes. Oh, wow. Yeah, Jesus. it's really quite dark.
3: Yeah, mm. and when, um, when you're buying seeds commercially... So this is for farms and things like that. Actually, they use these neonicotinoids on the seed coat. So they're already dosed before they even arrive on the farm. (laughs) Um, So the point is you're never quite sure where your seeds and stuff are coming from. So basically, just try and go to one of the reputable organic nurseries. If you can't, ask your nursery, your local one. And quite often, a a, a normal garden centre will be having plants from lots of different nurseries. So they'll be able to get in touch with their suppliers and say, Well, actually this lot are okay, this lot aren't okay, you know, and then you'll just have to take your pick. But but really the best thing if you can, most of the seeds will be untreated, the flower seeds that you buy. Um, So really, the best thing is to grow your own stuff from seed or to get cuttings from friends as well.
2: Yeah, then you're actually guaranteed to have an organic plant. Obviously, you know what you've put on it or what you've not put on it. But I'll say that in asking your nurseries or your garden centres which plants have or haven't got the pesticides on them, if we all did that when we went to a garden centre, the message really would get across yeah. that yeah. this is something that people want. And actually, I think in Britain, we're really scared to ask these questions.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes. it's
2: like, it, like we're somehow offending them, but it, uh, they won't be offended. And actually, other people we know have done this and their garden centres were really obliging. And also... I think they learned themselves through mm. the act of finding out, and they were a bit surprised to find out which plants actually had, you know, pesticides within them and which ones didn't. So it all adds up this pressure to to change how we do things at the moment because there's no reason why we should have these pesticides on our ornamental uh, garden plants, yeah. none whatsoever.
3: But the, what, the one annoying thing for. That- for us really is that there's actually quite a few organic sales um, sellers for fruit and veg um, mm. but there's not many for ornamental plants yeah. so we actually professionally find it really difficult and i'll we'll just be honest and say that most of the plants that we buy aren't organic yeah um, there's just no way because there just isn't a nursery that's organic within about 60 miles of nottingham so you wow. know we just we just can't we can't find the time in our week to go and you know to one of these nurseries. But if you're, you know, a normal gardener at home, then you can get things mail ordered to you. So, you know, you can go to one of the mail order supplies. So it's Mm. so it's one of those things where the the trade is going to take a long time to catch up. You know, we'd quite like our local wholesaler personally, but if an organic wholesaler turned up, we'd be right over there and they'd have all of our money. Um but it's it's just not an option for us. But yeah, if you're buying stuff at home, then yeah, just go ahead, just do a Google search really. I mean Mm. there's big places like there's the organic catalogue online there's organic plants as well they've got a website um peat-free plants for fruit really good one is walcott organic nursery they do fruit shrubs you know gooseberries and they do big top fruit trees as well apples and pears all that sort of stuff and their quality is brilliant as well i really recommend going to them so but there's, there's loads more as well that you can go and yeah. go and look go- up. google is your friend
2: yeah. with this one yeah, yeah. But it's, it it's worth doing the research they do exist i think that's a really important mm. message to get across it's worth looking for them because they are there
1: cool. Critter control. How do we? I mean, you know, I know some it's easy, you know, the predators will get them, but there's, there are some critters that are difficult to get rid of, aren't there? Go cool. on. Yeah. What have you got in yeah. mind, Jack? So, well, on, on our list, we've got aphids and green fly. I mean, uh, you know, ladybirds is that really, and it hover flies. And- yeah. Are
0: they easy to get in? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, not aphids. Oh, right. No, they so, are. But how would you,
3: let's, <laughs> let's talk about the difference between beneficial predators and biological controls, right? Now, you oh. might hear both of these talked about in the gardening press. Now, basically, they mean the same thing. But beneficial predators are things like hoverflies, ladybirds and stuff that you attract into your garden by planting lots of flowers, by allowing space for them to overwinter, by not using pesticides, all that sort of stuff. Mm. and that encourages them into the garden and if they can nest and breed in the garden then they're going to deal with your pest for you but then you have what they call biological controls and these are things that you can buy in and you can buy in things like ladybirds and ladybird larvae
2: if, to, you got the
3: money. if you've got the money <laughs> but the thing is if you buy in a load of ladybirds for your allotment or whatever they'll just <laughs> off yeah. you know? so yeah. so Biological controls that which you buy are really good for protected cultivation, so growing in a greenhouse. Because there they really work and they stick around basically.
2: Because they can't Mm. get out. Yeah, they
3: can't get out. (laughs) It's coming to a captivity point of view. (laughs) But otherwise, you just want to be planting loads a big variety of plants, loads of open flowers um yeah not spraying or, or don't be too tidy all that sort of stuff and that will allow the population of those predators to build up and they will deal with the aphids and stuff like that generally i've got
2: a question for the vegan in the room i'm do- wearing
3: a
0: t-shirt that says vegan. I <laughs> <laughs> Busted. Carry on.
2: Um, no I, it was yeah how do how does buying in biological biological control sit with veganism? I'm interested. I just I genuinely don't I know. I mean,
0: this is this I'm always on the fence with a lot of this stuff because I, vegans don't like me a lot of the time because I I don't it's not the individual animal I'm vegan for, it's the planet that I'm vegan for. So I do what's beneficial for the planet. Now that's not necessarily right. defined within veganism, but my diet is 100% vegan. Um, and, and as is all the clothing I buy and stuff like that. So I would say, for me personally, if they were native to the UK and bred ethically to be put into a garden, then I and as long as they're not damaging the environment, then I don't see a problem with it. I mean, I've, uh, I've had a wildlife pal on Twitter send me caterpillars to cocoon <laughs> at home and then release their emperor moths, <laughs> so I'm going to release them. But I enjoy that activity. I don't find anything wrong with that. They, they're cocooned right. now. Chrysalis ready to go out. I, I don't personally have a problem with it. So, yeah, I, I don't mind. Um, so but some also, people do,
2: but you don't. It, yeah, I'd say a yeah. lot of
0: people would have a problem with it. But I also, like you said, I wouldn't see the point when you can go past most trees and find so many larvae of yeah, yeah, yeah. ladybird mm. that you could just go and pick 10 or 12 leaves and y- put them around the base yeah, of the well, plant.
3: <laughs> In one of our gardens this year, we had uh, the, the, our customers growing broad beans and they're mm. famous for getting black fly. So we knew that and we were going to deal with them either by some of the other methods you can deal with aphids. You know, you can either just get a, a jet on a hose and you can just wash just them, off. them off. Yeah, yeah that, that's our number one tip actually. Or you can squish them off with broad beans. You can just break the tip off. You know, as, as long as the beans yeah. are still there, that's fine. But what we actually saw, we were, we're cutting back a, a plant. Uh, it was a type of euphorbia. Mm. and we saw well actually you saw um, they have these the flowers are like cups and in each of the cups was a ladybird larvae so when we cut all these off we just went and put them all the way around the the broad beans (laughs) job done job done and it is so quick as well
2: yeah, it is. But I did have to text our customer afterwards being like the strange mulch that I've decided to use around your beans. There is a rationale behind it, honestly. And then she actually went and had a look and she was like, oh, yeah, now I can see them. And actually, genuinely, I'm not just saying this, the, the black fly disappears. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. There, I mean there were that many ladybird larvae, they <laughs> yeah, didn't have a hundreds. bloody chance. No. <laughs> like, there well, I, so did, many I did I
0: did it on a plant. I I think I put about four around the base of I can't remember what plant it was now. And I'm not kidding you, from a larvae I think they were already cocooned up ready, so they weren't larvae anymore, but they I think five days and the plant was green fly free. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, Well that nailed that <laughs>
2: Yeah, exactly and but the thing that people do maybe or don't understand rather is that to aphid populations they tend to come in really quite early in spring as soon as the temperatures start rising yeah, they're like yeah. way let's go guys whereas things like um all the predators basically just take a little bit longer it's just the natural predator prey cycle you just expect it and what our biggest piece of advice is that we just constantly say is don't panic because the cavalry will come,
3: Yeah, basically. It takes a while, but they'll get you, there.
2: Yeah, it does take a while. And and the, the point with the pesticides is if you end up spraying, if you did panic, for example, and you end up spraying all those aphids off, you've just removed all of the food source for those predators yeah. to be attracted in by. And potentially, if you don't know what you're looking at, you've just killed off all those ladybird larvae as well. Cause they
3: might already be there.
2: Most yeah. people don't know what they look like. Yeah. I didn't know what they exactly. looked like seven years so that, ago. It's, and yeah. that would
3: mean once they're gone you know, okay, you've sprayed it and you've dealt with the problem once, but because there's no predators, you're going to have to keep spraying them again and yeah. again and again. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's um, a cycle,
2: is it? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Maybe we should say something about the sprays that are the on the organic, market. Well, the organic sprays, yeah. they not
2: quite organic.
3: Yeah, there's... So I think what, maybe what you're trying to get at, Jan, is what if that doesn't work? <laughs> you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it's all very well saying, you know, they'll turn up. And there's very, very few times we have to use a spray in a garden of any kind but there is one that there's one particular pest that we have to occasionally use it for and that's lupin aphid Mm. now lupin aphid is a it's a non-native aphid that has come into the uk presumably on lupins and it's lupins are its food basically and these aphids are huge they're chunky they're so big (laughs) they're like three millimetres long something like that which for an aphid is really really big that is long yeah. yeah. And they're too big for stuff like the ladybird larvae and the hoverfly larvae and so on to actually eat. They're just so hench. <laughs> they can't they can't <laughs> get at them. <laughs> so so it so that we've had a couple of times when this type of aphid has come in Oh my and god, we've... when it no,
2: when it comes in, it really comes oh, in. You can't see any of the lupin. Yeah. It's just like an aphid skin all the way up it. Oh my and it god. just completely decimates. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's quite bad.
3: So so if that happens and you want to do something about it, right? Now, let's say we've tried everything else. You know, we tried all the other organic advice. Maybe you want to use some sort of a spray, and the question is, what type of spray is safest to use? Now, this is going to sound odd coming from the organic gardeners, but actually,
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we love Trump. Did not say that? <laughs> <laughs> um, no,
3: there's there's quite a few organic. Sprays, bug sprays on the market, and they are not safe for wildlife because they use a series of chemicals that they call them organic. They get the organic label because these chemicals come from plants. But plants are producing these chemicals as an insecticide and they're broad spectrum. So if you spray them on the late, on the sorry, the aphids, sure, they'll kill the aphids, but they'll also kill the ladybirds. And they'll kill the lace wings and they'll kill whatever you spray them on as well. So Yeah, they
2: don't tend to market this on their packets. They'll say organic and that's fine. But then they say also kills bees or
3: whatever. It's a really, really
0: small (laughs) line at the bottom of the bottle. Looks like the barcode actually.
3: (laughs) Yeah, so Um, the best thing to do instead is to use a soap-based spray. And ideally you want to use a, a horticultural soap because that doesn't have all the stuff like the fragrances Mm. and things that you get in fairy liquid or what have you and you don't need to add anything else to that so lots of people you'll hear talk about making a garlic spray something like that now garlic spray again garlic produces chemicals that are insecticidal and garlic spray is a broad spectrum insecticide
2: that means it kills not it kills just the things you want to kill yeah. Yeah, it'll kill yeah. everything else around it yeah. As well.
3: yeah so basically we don't use anything that you hear all the time on organic gardening forums like neem oil garlic yeah. oil all that sort of stuff don't use any of it but we do use soap-based sprays you can go to companies just search horticultural soap on google and it will tell you the instructions on the pack and it's just the soap and the water and you spray it on and We've spoken to scientists that have actually been involved in the research on how this stuff works, and I, I won't go into the detail of it, but basically it actually will kill the aphid, but it won't touch anything else. Yeah. those big things can outgrow it. It doesn't really bother them. It's um, still
2: a last resort, though. So still yeah. a last resort, yeah. Yeah. but like we that's, said,
3: safer. We that's own, safer. We
2: really only use it on the lupin aphid because there's yeah. such yeah. beasts that won't, nothing will eat. So. And also
0: invasive, so...
2: Oh yeah, exactly. Yes, yes.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So
1: they shouldn't yeah. be. It. Can I ask my specific question, right? Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. Of
0: course you can, so
1: it's, Jan. It's about it's about spraying. <clears throat> what about box caterpillar?
3: Whoa. Now, that is have it. you yeah. by any chance with your home base box plants, because I listen to you, Jan. <laughs> with your home base box plants, in your chateau, <laughs> yeah. have you ended up <laughs> have you ended up with Box moth caterpillar. Uh-oh. Yeah. She's fuming. Look at her. Yeah, number there's one. At least,
1: there's at least two, and I only know. one of them I've got six. They're all bargains. I've yeah, none yeah. of them. <laughs> I've, got, but I haven't paid the right money for any of them. But I think I've got five or six because <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay it for box. I just think you're wasting your money. You might as well throw your money down the drain, might not you? Because if it's not the caterpillar, it's going to be the blight, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but yeah. I've actually seen. So they're only small caterpillars now, a couple on two different plants. Oh, they defi- so. they
2: are definitely box tree caterpillar because they- black and
1: green. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: First of all, I know this is one step further than you've already gone. We actually don't. We recommend not to put box in basically. Yeah, I'm
3: because, not doing it anymore. Yeah, yeah well, we, no. don't, we don't plant
2: it at all now. But no. what we actually we have one garden where it was already before. Um, we. I arrived. think we got
3: the first record in Nottingham possibly yeah we found it in a garden yeah
2: Uh, yeah well so it only came into europe in 2007 and it and then by 2011 it was like everywhere Everywhere, because it flies so it can get everywhere (laughs) um and we love box in our british chateau yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah.
3: so yeah we like generally we'd recommend now planting if you (laughs) we were thinking how to say this if you want small balls plant you (laughs) yeah because you well, can get me you that is very greens. offensive <laughs> yeah and you, if you could see what i'm doing on the video as well <laughs> if you want small balls plant you because you can keep it clipped really small hmm. whereas some of the other box alternatives uh they get a bit too big. They're they're yeah. hard to keep trimmed back. And you, you can actually get in like lighter and darker varieties, so you can get one to suit suit the colour.
1: I've got if a few you... things. I've got that ilex cronata to try. Well, How are you getting on with that? Well, I've not uh, trimmed it yet. Yeah. I have okay. bought a couple, and I thought I'll leave it. Now, now I feel like it's too late to do it because I don't want to trim it before the weather turns. Is it is it growing? Colder. though Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, it's growing. And I've got a couple of pitosporum, different, they've grown up. Oh, Oh, lovely, yeah. God, uh... it sounds like RHS Wisley. Yes. Yes. So there's there's nothing I can do. She's there all the time. Oh, no, (laughs) Hyde Hall. Hyde Hall. Hyde Hall, sorry. Sorry. Been there today. Sorry, Doug. Yeah, I've been there today, so I can't really do anything about these caterpillars. Then i no, gone well, with them. No, you can, and well, you started.
2: I mean, you said you've only got a few um, yeah. that you found. Really, I mean, like most organic solutions are getting in there with your hands, Pick picking them off. them off, and obviously you know to look for the webbing because that's what the caterpillar yeah. will protect itself while it just eats all the leaves of your plants.
3: Yeah, if you're not sure if you've got it, then have you used the, these pheromone traps?
1: No, I've definitely got it because I've seen them. Yeah yeah they they they're on there
3: if any of the listeners don't know but they they're starting to see you can get um traps which uh, attract the adults in so that the actual moth oh, yeah. the caterpillar yeah. and then you know and then you know you've got a problem and if you can get that early if you can spot that they're there but at low numbers then the hand picking really really would yeah. work oh, okay. but that's but you've got to get in there early yeah. because once there's a big problem yeah. you just
1: you, you just I'm can't thinking about just throwing them away to be honest and just giving up
3: <laughs> well there are Six other Street. things there are yeah. other there are other products that you can use, basically.
2: Yeah, there's actually a nematode, but it's like an all-purpose nematode. Yeah. And if you if you read up on it, it won't guarantee to get rid of all of your caterpillars, but it can help. And I think it's I think Nemesis do one and another company called Dragonfly, and it's like natural fruit and veg protection. I think that's its general yeah. term. But if you search for nematode for box tree caterpillar. Oh then that is one solution. It's like a lot of things need a multi-pronged attack. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So hand-picking. The pheromone traps will obviously catch some of the adults, maybe before they've laid eggs, who knows. So that might even be worth putting up. And as Ben said, it gives you an indication of how bad your problem is. So if you're getting hundreds of of, uh, moths being caught, then it might be time to say goodbye to your box balls. Yeah, I mean, there Um, is
3: something else you can use. And I'm not really sure if this is license for the for the homeowner to buy. You can buy it online, but I don't really know the legality of it. But it's certainly a legal um product for professional use. So you can get somebody in to use it. And it it's considered organic as well and it's called um it's a, it's actually a bacteria and it comes in a powder and you use it as a spray. It's called bacillus Thunbergiensis.
1: Oh I've heard of this.
3: um okay. Yeah and what it does is it gets onto the leaves and the caterpillars eat the, the leaf and then it produces um a crystal inside the caterpillar and uh that and that for gruesome reasons i won't explain yeah. kills them um and that's what a lot of the big um estates with loads of box will use um, but it's, it is a bacteria in fact it's a naturally um occurring bacteria that has been found in the uk so you can you can buy that as well you know to give that yeah a i think but, i
1: saw that on um on youtube that bunny guinness you know the garden designer she oh yeah so yeah i think she using that
3: yeah well Probably, Bunny's yeah. at the moment she's trialing i don't know her. i've probably seen the same video as you. <laughs> yeah. but she's i know she's trialing some supposedly blight resistant box yeah which is yeah. supposed to help with the other problem
1: yeah. but you know
3: <laughs> we just don't you know in our daily work we can't be bothered with all this spray and the thing is the nematodes oh, yeah. and the bacillus although they only target caterpillars you know they're fine if you spray them onto other things they will Kill all caterpillars that they touch. So yeah. you know if you get other sawfly caterpillars or butterflies or whatever ha- happen to be in there, yeah. um, and it's going to kill them as well. So again, a, a, a total last resort. But yeah, yeah, that's why we just can't be bothered with all that sort of stuff. No, so we just don't I think I, I just give up. any
2: plant that needs that many chemicals or whatever yeah. or, or that yeah, much tension, it's just yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: No, yeah. Definitely put agree. something
2: else in. What there's got?
0: A, I've got to ask about these because this is. Right, I love these animals, but this is something that, because when you were talking about the bottles on the shelf in the supermarkets when gardening, years, or gardening time of the year is coming up, it's like the same kind of killers. And there's always slug and snail killer, it's like got to be one of the most commonly bought products. And it's always like, it always says instant snail killer. I'm like, how quick do you need this animal to die when yeah, it's a snail? Quick, like, they don't quick, move yeah. fast. Like, um, so, what, what, how can we organically. Not that I would want to, but get rid of slugs and snails or prevent So,
2: them. you know, the RHS does their annual pest and disease list, and it's based on the number of inquiries they've had from the general public. And slugs and snails, they basically hover around the top spot top three probably they just never they're never far away yeah. from top three in that list because they they can be extremely destructive yeah. and <laughs> yeah. be- and particularly with like the demise of the hedgehog which is one of mm-hmm. their natural predators then and-, and thrushes as well like we're basically just screwing over all the natural controls and leaving ourselves with this massive problem and believe me like we also have slugs and snails in our garden but it's yeah there's well there are a few things you can do as an organic gardener so i think if you've listened to our podcast it's a test um <laughs> we <laughs> we do something we call it night safariing to make it sound more glamorous. Uh, <laughs> less less killing. what it involves is... <laughs>
0: <laughs> we go trophy hunter.
2: <laughs> what we do is we whack on the marigolds and we have a special bucket. And on nights when it's it's warm and wet, that's their most favoured conditions, yeah. They you're guaranteed to have them out if it's a warm and wet evening. So get out there and we just hand pick them off because we do have a lot in our garden put them in the bucket and then maybe the next morning we'll take them you've got to go quite far with this if you're going to take them somewhere
0: as in distance yeah Yeah,
2: yeah, because they, they can travel like a lot of people say I'll oh, just chuck them in the neighbour's garden don't do that not just for the uh, uh, ASBO risk <laughs> <laughs> but also because they actually they're they home they have homing instincts and they it's They'll been be shown, back. it's been shown they can travel up to 30 metres so unless you've got a really good arm and
0: <laughs> <laughs> I honestly thought you were going to say thirty miles, and then I thought you <laughs> was going to be getting in an Uber with a bucket of slugs. And <laughs> going to well, Leeds, please.
2: <laughs> we we are we are lucky. We have got a, quite a big park, you know, a couple of streets away from us. But honestly, the we do
3: feel really weird when we do that,
2: like taking yeah. this bucket and the marigold. We like, have to do it.
3: eleven o'clock at night. We go down to oh. the local park and chuck them in a hedge. <laughs>
2: But thankfully, the local papers. Th- thankfully, where we live, there's probably weirder stuff going on. Yeah. So actually, yeah. we're kind of... I mean, this waters. is anyway. Britain, so... So yeah. that, re- just, I mean, that physical removal, because if you're getting them early in spring, they're going to be the ones that are breeding for that year. And that, that's yeah. where your population comes from. And it is the tiny baby slugs that are so hard to control because you can't yeah. see the buggers. But um, yeah, so doing that in early spring and, and how often you can in the summer is a really good way um, you can try all the various barrier controls you may have seen like the eggshells we don't tend to use them because we've not had that much success and it's it might be something that you need to do alongside all these other things
3: I think the RHS actually did a study on all these different things that you put around plants that people recommend so yeah it was like eggshells and then coffee grounds and stuff and then they filmed the slugs, <laughs> and, and they just go <laughs> straight over it. Yeah. Yeah. This is why they I don't give I understand when people say
0: yeah. um, eggshells is because, like, <laughs> snails they have just... a calcium sack that they <laughs> they use to produce okay. calcium for their shell and they get their calcium by eating pretty much anything calcium <laughs> So you're feeding yeah. it. Surely, you're just So you're making them. super tough yeah, snails. I used to give snail. my giant African land snail eggshells mm-hmm. like on top of there its diet. So, wow. egg, mm, yeah. So it must. Yeah, well. I don't know if that's true, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Well,
2: the the theory is they don't like travelling
3: over the roughness. Dry, yeah. But yeah. again, like that's yeah. It, it, the yeah. jury's
2: out on those. Things. Yeah.
3: I mean, there's yeah. stuff like um, you can buy pelletized wool.
1: Well, I've been using um, um, this is what Roy at the allotment told me. Hello, fresh insulation.
3: Oh yeah, that's wool again, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So
1: um, I'm, I don't get it. A few of my mates do, so they give me that, and um. The dahlias that have done okay in my garden, yeah. I had in pots, so I just put that inside the top of the pot, yeah. and it did seem to stop it. Yeah, not a hundred percent, but. Exactly.
3: There's a lot of these things where it's worth giving it a go. But
1: yeah. You know, yeah. Basically, n- think, none of the it,
3: controls are going to be
1: absolutely perfect. No, I think it's been a really bad year as well because it's been so wet. So well. it? Yes, it oh, has. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, but also, there are nematodes for them. And yeah. they do work, particularly if you've got a small garden like us, where it's a discrete area, just put it down. Hopefully,
1: your population will be controlled.
3: Yeah, good for parts. Um, do, do you guys know what we're talking about when we talk about yeah. nematodes?
1: Yeah, it's like a, you put them in water and can, don't you?
3: Yeah. yeah. They're like a tiny, tiny worm, yeah. and they um, and they will get into basically the bodies of the slugs and snakes. Yeah. and they um, they actually release a bacteria that I think it stops them from feeding or something. Yeah. But it, they they are quite effective, so the nema- nematodes yeah. are a good thing to use.
1: I think that um, we've been quite lucky at the allotment with the dahlias because the one next to us used slug pellets round mm, his yeah. runner beans, so I think all the slugs were going over there. Right, yeah. To the slug pellets. So we've not had any dahlia damage at the allotment.
2: <laughs> do you yeah. do you know what sort of slug pellets your neighbour was using? No mm, idea.
1: You know, like, no, they're not, all, the ones next door is like, oh, they're not organic on the, yeah. you know, they use anything. Right. Um, they're not, you know, they use whatever. So, but they attract the slugs to them, don't they? Yeah, yeah. That's right, so yeah. So I think that that's why we've been pretty much left alone, because... um we don't spray or use anything on the allotment, but I think everybody around us does. Yeah. So yeah. they're all going over yeah. there instead. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, so only, I mean, in my garden as well, the dahlias got hammered. Yeah. Um, one hosta that I had in a pot, gone, but it's coming back. But I've yeah. decided now that I'm just trying to grow stuff that, slugs and snails don't really like
2: i was gonna say when you're growing fruit and veg obviously they seem to just love it they know that that's what you want to do is eat it so they go for it first it's (laughs) like an instinct. i don't know what it is but basically like you said earlier the harder you can grow your plants so make sure they're properly hardened off before they go in the ground Mm. where they're more vulnerable you're not going to solve the problem but it will be significantly yeah. easier and they just won't be as attractive to them so that's a really good good tip as well yeah because yeah.
3: most actually most particularly the slugs the vast majority of the species we have in the UK don't eat living plant material they only eat the dead plant material and in fact lots of slugs will eat other slugs
2: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I've
3: read that we, we go and like we use well we don't but people <laughs> go and use slug pellets and stuff And even the organic ones, which are the ferric phosphate ones. But again, they're indiscriminate. So you're killing all the slugs that would be eating all the other slugs as well. And uh, the thing is, with organic gardening, if we were running the national collection of hostas, we would be more worried, right? And we we might have to use um, more drastic measures. But we've got some hostas in the garden, huge, great big leaves, and some of them are damaged. I was going
2: to
0: say, they're yeah. not
3: huge. They're half eaten. <laughs> yeah, like some of them, yeah. But we just... <laughs> two don't... very different opinions there. <laughs> skeletons. Well, no, they are eaten, but I just don't worry about it too no, much. No, no. You know, I just think, right, so in that position, hostas aren't going yeah, to work. Yeah, I saw
1: a hosta house. at Hyde Hall today that was massive and it was just, it was like a lace curtain oh yeah exactly <laughs> that, like, that makes me feel so much better yeah you know, yeah exactly like our friend holes, our friend
2: doesn't our friend doesn't plant them she just calls them slug food she's like yeah, What's yeah the
3: point?
1: they are they
3: they are actually like slugs get a bad rap but it's snails actually that do most of the yeah. damage on hostas i love snails i love them sorry like there's
0: people listening that might not like them but i i absolutely love snails
3: oh, i'll tell you what ryan when we go on our night safaris, we'll jump on a train and we'll nip down Brilliant. to London. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Do it. I've not got a garden we'll give you a anymore. delivery. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's something I was doing when I did have a garden. Well, actually, now handy, I've got window boxes. But now, when I was in my garden, things that I could, I planted up rather than having on the ground level because it was just a concrete garden. And I think a lot of people do have just flat concrete gardens. So it's if you can do hang-in plants instead or if you can have you know, if you've got walls where you can attach shelving up and have stuff higher up, then it actually massively reduces, like, slugs and snails, because it's just effort. And they don't even know it's there. They won't even go up.
3: Mm. Yeah, and in fact, you can do that if you've got polytunnels or greenhouses mm. even. You can grow tomatoes in hanging baskets. Yeah. You know, and you can grow them like, trailing down. And strawberries um, as well. Strawberries. The common Yeah, things. exactly. Even peppers. peppers I think, you like can that. get. You know, like standard
0: peppers, if you were growing them, you can grow them up, and they don't really hang as much. No. They don't get overly heavy. They're very
3: similar to tomatoes like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, most veg actually doesn't get attacked by them. No. It's only yeah. really the soft stuff. And things like lettuce, basically, we just grow enough lettuce that they can have some. Yeah. You know, in one in one lettuce pack you get something like a thousand seeds yeah. you know you just how much lettuce can you possibly need just plant an extra 20 lettuce i know or one who's eating lettuce in 2021 anyways yeah I mean. uh, and it's, it's about like management because it's the with vegan, lettuces, yeah <laughs> but if you go and in, instead of harvesting whole lettuces grow 30 lettuce plants yeah, and take yeah. a leaf off each right and then you've got 30 lettuce plants. And if one of them gets destroyed, you're still left with 29 lettuce plants and it's yeah. fine. But if you've gone and cut them all off at the base and, you know, or dug them out, then there's not as much left over. So, you know, yeah. there's little ways of managing your garden that just mean that a bit of damage doesn't matter so much. And if yeah. you
2: do, just as one final, final point, if you do use the ferric phosphate, which is the less bad uh, slug pellet, you really don't need to spray it like confetti. It's like I think the the going rate I think is four to five pellets per sort of A four page in area. Don't because you see people just like chucking it around like bloody <laughs> I feel sweets.
3: Like confetti, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean some some allotments are like the soil is painted blue. Blue. And I yeah. just like how you'd want to. I, I just wouldn't want to eat the food that came no. off an allotment no. they were doing that. No. Anyway, no. so... I'm the same. So really I, I
0: used to, before I used to look into it, I used to just laugh and say to like my girlfriend, "How aggressive are some gardeners with the yeah. names of the killer that you go, that's the one I want.' It's like Jesus, yeah. like napalm ant killer. You're like, Christ, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're ants, guys. They're not. It's not World War Three. <laughs> like, calm down, right? So whilst whilst we've got you both on, we've got to ask you about your gardening podcast. It would be a crime, but even though,
2: <laughs> even though we're competition, Ryan. Well Suspicious you, know.
0: face. <laughs> you you've got thirty seconds, no Okay, fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Um right. We... How did the Wildlife Garden podcast come about?
2: We basically listened to a lot of podcasts, like a really good one called Into the Wild yes, and Into it, the Foli- right. Time's
0: up, I'm afraid, Ellie. Uh- <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, we basically just wanted to make something that we wanted to hear because there's yeah. loads of literature on wildlife gardening now. Thankfully, it's becoming way, way more mainstream than it was 10 years ago even. But actually, there wasn't anything to listen to. And um, being gardeners, while I do, we both love listening to the birds, but we do also, you know, want to feed our brains so we thought let's make a podcast about it and there's loads of stuff as well on insects or the wildlife side of things like into the wild just gonna say it again Uh, (laughs) but there's also loads of podcasts about gardening and plants Mm. and basically we just wanted to pull the two together because we get quite into the science of both so like we love botany and that that word scares a lot of people but we mm. we're learning at the same time and we try and deliver it in a way that we would understand it because otherwise we wouldn't <laughs> <if that laughs> yeah exactly sense. yeah <laughs> so uh, i do know it's just really really fun we're loving doing it it's it's yeah it's really nice really love to get the feedback from people as well we seem to be enjoying it so.
0: And um, what's next for the show? So, you guys, and I will say to that genuinely, it's a lovely podcast. And also, from the stuff we've been speaking about today, if you want more detail on that or more tips, then go to this podcast because it's the perfect place. So, what's next for the show? What have you got? Have you just done 10 episodes? We've we're on
3: 16,
0: 17. 16. Or yeah. Oh, 16, 17. Like oh no, you did damn um, 10k downloads, yeah, yeah. 11k yes. now, 11k, yes, Christ. Wow, I know, <laughs> they <catching> us up. <laughs> That's amazing. Yes. Um, so what,
3: what have you have you planned anything else or are you still like this is so early on? We've sat down and we thought about all the things we want to know about. So we've actually got like a three-year calendar already because we're wow. only once a fortnight. So it's not that many episodes a year. So we've like, you know, decided yeah. who we want to talk to and all that sort of stuff. But the big news, we've already said it really, is that we're getting this allotment and what we're using the allotment. To do is we're going to create a wildlife garden Wow, amazing so on this allotment site 50 percent has to be used for veg growing but the other 50 percent is up to you
2: hedgehog territory Hedgehogs. yeah
3: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so and we're going to make videos as well and we're going to use it to explain some of the stuff that we actually talk about on the podcast because we'll actually be able to show what we're talking about and especially with some of the botany stuff it's quite technical and we do our best to explain it in a way people understand but sometimes you just need to see a picture of what we're talking yeah. about so yeah with a lot of that stuff we're going to do these little technical videos but also just show you how to create a wildlife garden really yeah it'll be called it's, it's called we've set up our channel already it's called the wild gdn which happens to nice. be our twitter handle as well and uh actually if you're interested in dealing with weeds and pests and diseases like you just said organically we actually just did our, our first live Q&A, which is. On YouTube now, so you can go back and, and watch Ooh, that. So, amazing. yeah, I mean, it's the first thing whenever you get speaking to a gardener, what they want to know is what do I do with the weeds? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do I do with aphids? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> so, yeah. caterpillars, slugs, and snails. All exactly. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm
0: so glad we've changed those boundaries for you both um jan's got the hardest question left this is the hardest one to ask
2: any guest
1: if you could both pass on one bit of advice to everyone about the natural world what would it be
2: put down the pesticides yes put them down
1: yeah nice in
2: terms of gardening just put them down don't need them you can have a beautiful garden without them you can eat food without them for sure put them down that's our number
1: one and alliteration as well well God, just... Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Well, we aim to please Jan.
3: <laughs> Go on, Ben, more short. Yeah, well, I'm putting two in quick succession. <laughs> so, yeah, put down the pesticide bottle and then artificial grass. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. plant more plants.
2: Yeah.
0: Because
3: whatever it is for wildlife, if you put more <laughs> plants in, your problems will be solved. Because yeah. all, the more plants you got, the more beneficial predators you've got. The more the everything the m- less pests got. you're gonna have, yeah. the more beautiful it will be. Just don't have so much rubbish and empty soil and you know, a sites like, sometimes are just half full of junk. Just yeah. get rid of it all and plant more plants.
1: I don't need telling twice, Ben, to no. go and buy
3: more plants. <laughs> Jason, you not listen to that advice. <laughs> <laughs> we so give it- you our blessing.
0: <laughs> 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 Um, one thing about the artificial grass, because we've said yeah. that a couple of times on the show, absolutely right. <laughs> one thing I've been doing recently, there's not loads around in London, but I was in Bath recently. I was quite surprised to see some gardens with it there. Um, but every, if I walk around it this time of year, a lot of people are in their front gardens. So if I walk past them there, I comment, comment on how shit it is <laughs> so they can hear yes. it. We do the same. So yeah, I'm now just publicly shaming yeah. it. So if they're in there just enjoying a drink, I go, that garden looks so that fake yes! grass and then walk off and I just think it's a bit like you if you say it enough yeah. like with the garden centres if you ask it will they will notice a change maybe if you just start I've just realised um, I've added my own bit of advice on which is yell abuse at people <laughs> <putting> <laughs> grass. That Is not what I'm saying I'm just saying make a point no to it's more pa- pa- it was more <laughs> passive
2: than that right we just can flip that past. into a na- <laughs> it starts passive <laughs> we
3: can flip that into a nice alternative which is something Ellie's and some friends of hers have actually been doing is when you see a nice front garden post a little note through the front door and just say thank you for having a nice garden. Because somebody might be thinking, oh, this is a lot of work. Maybe I'll just put some of that artificial turf down. They might just take that one little note to go, actually, you know what, people appreciate this. And even better,
2: if they live next door to an artificial grass person, you can shout it loud enough and go, yes, your garden look amazing with all these plants. (laughs) And then they're like, oh God, what have I done? Maybe in my head.
0: Or you could start a neighbour war. (laughs) You could just post the card Marianne, through and be like, your garden looks way better where, than that.
2: It's before. where we're headed. Come on, it's where we're headed.
3: Number 53 just- is... Beautiful, yours is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do better, D minus.
0: <laughs> um, Ellie and Ben, thank you so much for thank joining you. us on into the foliage. It's been we've we've learnt a lot, I've seen Jan making. Believe me. A star, Jan, Jan, Jan. A star. Jan, you've got our number, yeah. haven't you? Do you have um, any questions? Just give us a shout. <laughs> Ellie's, well he's Ben's boots get them written down, <laughs> and give them a call. Um, Thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. All the best for everything you guys have got coming up with the podcast and the biz. And enjoy the rest of your sunny week in the garden. You too. Bye. Bye.
1: Thank you. Bye. Thanks again
0: for listening, everyone. If you'd like to keep up to date with the projects and work Ellie and Ben are working on, then you can follow their podcast on social media. The tags are in the write-up of this episode. You can also get in touch with Jan and I at intothewildpod at gmail.com. Or on social media at Into the Wild Pod on Twitter and Into the Wild Podcast on Instagram. A reminder that any views or opinions expressed in today's show belong to the person who said them and do not represent Into the Wild or Into the Foliage or anyone that we have worked with or are affiliated with. Into the Wild and Into the Foliage always aims to be a free show. However, running it and producing it is not free. If you'd like to support us and say thanks, then you can do so by buying us a coffee. Our Ko-fi link is in the write-up of this episode. Until next time, keep well, stay safe and live the good life.